0: Lifehouse today marks the last day of our Summer at Lifehouse series, and as you get back into the swing of school and regular routines, I just want to pause for a second and I want to say thank you, uh, not just to all of you who've been with us through this summer series, but really I want to say thank you to our whole church staff who have stepped up, they've taken the load during this sabbatical break for Kelly and I. We are blessed beyond measure to have such an amazing team of people that we know uh, that we can trust and that while we're away, uh, everything will be taken care of. And so I just wanna say thank you team for your faithfulness uh, to the church, but also to Kelly and I as well. Today, we also have the privilege of hearing from one of our own. Uh, Pastor Lucy is going to close out our series today. And I just want to let you know that I have such admiration and respect for this woman who has served in the ministry so faithfully over the many years. Her roles in ministry are as varied as her dance moves, and she has served faithfully with Kelly and I for many years. My biggest respect, though, comes as she has modeled to every one of us the greatest sacrifice of all in the adoption of three amazing boys, A.J., Blake, and Calvin. Will you stand, and I know she's one of our own, but we honor our people here. Will you stand and will you welcome Pastor Lucy this morning? Thank
1: you for uh, being here today. I hope that uh, you have enjoyed this summer sermon series as much as I have. I have thoroughly enjoyed um, hearing from all the different people that God has brought here to us. Um, One of the things that I appreciate so much about the Lord is how faithful he is to tell us exactly what we need, exactly when we need it, and even to use just the right person to be the one to share it with us. And so just seeing all the different personalities, life experiences, perspectives that each one of our speakers has brought has just been so wonderful and refreshing, and I have learned a ton. And so um, what I would hope, if you missed any of the sermons that were uh, in this series, I would hope that you would go online and watch them. Um, We do have on our website, um, under our media tab, you can click it and it'll say video on demand, or just demand, I think. Um, But it's all of the previous sermons. And um, I would highly encourage you, if you haven't heard it yet, to uh, watch it and listen to it. But even if you have, uh, there's just so much wisdom, and uh, there were just so many good teachings and just the scriptures that were shared. Why not go back and watch it again and just really um, process all that God has said to us this summer? He's been busy speaking, and he's had a lot to say. I wanted to recap the things that God has spoken to us over this summer. Um, We started out um, with Dan Hicks, and he reminded us to trust in the Lord um, out of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Uh, David Coffey, one of our own, I love the title of his sermon, was Musings of an Old Guy, (laughs) and um, it was good. He talked about prayer, uh, the importance of um, prioritizing family and marriage, um, admitting when you're wrong, um, acknowledging that we don't know everything. We heard from Randy Remington. Uh, He talked about um, accessing the peace of God, And then that was followed up the next week uh, by P.J. Moon sharing a very personal testimony about the loss of his mother and learning to live uh, with a posture of peace. Uh, Then we had Compassion Sunday, where we heard over and over again that compassion should move us to action. It's an action word. It's not just feeling bad for someone. Um, Antonio Sims um, told us to go back to the basics of following Jesus, and he said, listen, If you're going to follow him, follow him all the way. Be all in. Last week, we heard from Adam Harris. He talked about the fruit of goodness, specifically integrity, charity, and clarity. Uh, And then Pastor Jay and I um, did our own little mini-series on the heart, uh, talking about an available heart, a heart after God, and a heart of thanks. So just a lot of good teaching, and um, again, highly encourage you, if you missed any of those sermons, to go back and uh, take a listen. Now, um, last week, Pastor Adam Harris gave you guys a quiz on animals, and um, I watched both services, and I'm going to say, I I already said this at first service, so I'm not talking uh, behind their backs or saying anything that I haven't said to them, but um, you guys, I think you won. Like, I think you got more right, and so um, I have a joke um, I'm gonna follow along his theme of uh, he was talking about animals and animal sounds and seeing if you could recognize which one. Um, so, if you guys, I wanna ask you a question. If you get this right, this is just like icing on the cake. This is like just bragging rights for the rest of the year, because you already kind of won last week. Um, but who can tell me the difference between a rabbit and a hare? And if you were here first service, don't, don't answer. A rabbit and a hare. Okay, this gentleman up front and his dad is like, Please, son, don't embarrass the family. <laughs> do you know the difference, sweetheart, between a rabbit and a hare? Give this young man a hand. He just gave you guys bragging rights for the rest of the year. Okay, so a hare is a larger animal. It's larger than a rabbit um, and a little bit less social. So he, he said they burrow. So they, they kind of do their own thing and hang out underground, and uh, and they're larger. So that's the difference between a rabbit and a hare. So... A young man, one day, he was taking a long trip, and um, a couple of hours into his trip, he decided, you know, I better pull over off to the side of the road and uh, take a break. And so he pulled off onto the shoulder of the road, and as he was sitting there, he saw what he thought was a rabbit hop out from the bushes and kind of he he got into the middle of the road and became indecisive, and he was going this way and this way. And so, you know, the young man is saying, that looks like a rabbit actually, it's really big. I think, I think that's a hare, actually. And as he was thinking this, um, the, rat, the hare's indecisiveness caused him to splat. Don't worry, it's a good ending. But um, he was hit by a car. And so uh, the young man was looking at this, and he's like, oh my goodness, what a way to go. I feel bad for her. And again, as he was thinking, um, a car pulls up behind him. A person hops out. He has a can. He shakes the can, runs over to the hare, sprays it, Runs back to his car, tosses the can, hops in his car, and takes off. And now the young man is like, what in the world is happening? And just seconds later, the hair pops back up. He hops along, he turns around, and he waves to the young man. He hops along, he turns around, and he waves to the young man. So the young man is like, I have got to figure out what was in that can. He gets out of his car, he goes over, he picks it up, and he reads, hairspray. Gives life back to dead hairs and adds a permanent wave. (laughs) Come on, give it up. That was funny. (laughs) And I do, I give you those jokes for free. I don't even charge you anything. (laughs) All right. Well, it's been um, a wonderful summer for my family. Um, Hope it has been for yours. It's been full of a lot of activity. We've taken trips Um, I know some of you have taken your own vacations. Um, I've been to weddings, wedding bridal showers, um, seen uh, kids off to college. Some of you have. Uh, I've seen my own kids start school. So it's been a busy summer. But for many of us now, um, we're slowing down and gaining a rhythm. We're starting to settle down into some routines. Um, This fall we are going to be offering Rooted. And Rooted is a discipleship tool. It's 10 weeks. And um, it guides the participants through um, 10 weeks of study. Um, it allows you to grow in community as you grow in your faith. And one of the things that I really appreciate about Rooted is that it talks a lot and emphasizes um, rhythms. It talks a lot about rhythms and it emphasizes rhythms. And I actually like that they don't call them habits they call them rhythms and um, there are seven rhythms that are highlighted throughout this 10-week study the rhythm of daily devotions of prayer freedom from strongholds or things that would hold you back from fully engaging in life with christ Um, talks about the rhythm of sacrificial generosity of serving of sharing your story sharing your testimony Um, so that others might come to know the Lord, and then um, the rhythm of celebrating. Don't often think of having a rhythm of celebration, but of giving thanks to God. The hope is that at the conclusion of the semester that the participants would maintain these rhythms. They would continue on in these rhythms. Um, I highly recommend Rooted. Uh, The staff has been through Rooted. I've led a Rooted group twice, Um, believe in it. I've seen the fruit of it. Um, If you haven't uh, been through Rooted, I highly recommend that you uh, stop by the table. Robert Jackson will be out there to answer any questions that you have. Um, Go for it. Go for it. If you have already been through a semester of Rooted, I would love to talk to you about leading a group of your own. That's how much I believe in it. So as we wrap up this uh, summer sermon series... I want us to talk a little bit today about rhythms. Will you turn with me to Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. This passage says, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. This is Jesus speaking, by the way. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Now, I want to read verse 29 again. This time, I want to read it from the message version. Um, <clears throat> I love how they have translated this. So, Matthew eleven twenty-nine from the message says, walk with me. And work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Listen to the words of Jesus. He says, Let me teach you. Learn from me. Watch how I do it. Jesus wants to give us a clinic on how to live an unburdened life, on how to walk in a rhythm of grace. Lately, I have been enjoying a devotional um, called He Whispers Your Name by Sherry Hill. And um, earlier in August, I came across this devotional, and I want to read a portion of it for you because it goes along with what we're talking about today. Um, the devotional is written from the perspective of God talking directly to the reader. So there's a lot of you and I language. So this is God. He's saying you burden yourself by trying to do everything on your own. You wonder how I God can possibly provide for more income. You struggle with how I can work in someone's heart to restore a broken relationship. But I've told you not to lean on your own understanding. Your journey, your story is one that you can write on your own, or you can allow me to write it with you. I assure you that my plans for your life are far more amazing than anything you can hope for or imagine. So instead of trying so hard to do it on your own, instead of carrying all of your burdens alone, come to me and let me help you. The invitation is and has always been for us to come to our Savior. In a world where everyone is looking everywhere for answers to their troubles, his invitation has always been, come to me. Come to me. Let me teach you how to live. Well, what lessons can we learn from Jesus about rhythms? What rhythms do we see in his life as we look at scripture? We're going to take I'll look at a few of those rhythms today. We know that Jesus had a rhythm of prayer. Scripture has a lot to say about that in the New Testament, about how much he prayed. Let's look at two passages. Matthew 14, 23 says this. After sending them home, and the after is uh, Jesus had just performed a miracle. He fed uh, a lot of people, about 5,000, scripture says, with a little. He had uh, two pieces of fish and five loaves of bread, and he fed the multitude. So after this happened, after sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was still there alone. Luke 6.12 says this. One day soon after, and again, the soon after is referring to Jesus had just performed a miracle of healing a man who had a deformed hand. So he says, one day soon after that miracle, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. A rhythm of prayer. We see it in the life of Jesus. Well, we know that he had a rhythm of listening to and obeying the Father. Romans 5.19 says this, because one person disobeyed God, and that's talking about Adam, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, and we know that's Jesus, many more will be made righteous. Scripture says he was obedient even unto death. To his last breath, he walked in obedience to God, a rhythm of listening to his Father and obeying. We also know that he walked uh, in a rhythm of service to others. He served others. Matthew twenty twenty eight tells us this. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. We know that Jesus lived completely submitted to the Father, and I believe that right there is the key, completely submitted. We see that all throughout the life of Jesus, he was submitted to the will of God. And I believe that walking in and living in submission is that rhythm that Matthew eleven twenty nine 29 is talking about. When we walk this way, not struggling against God, not struggling against his plans, but submitted to them, we begin to experience grace. And grace means that enabling power, that power uh, that we are given that enables us to live this life. We're given that grace as we walk In submission to the father as we walk hand in hand with God it makes our burdens light and it allows us to experience rest rhythms of grace listen to them surrender rest obedience rest submission rest cooperation with the spirit rest That's the rhythm we're after. That's the rhythm we're after. I like what one commentary has to say about submission. It says this, we have to choose to submit to God for the process of learning in order to grow spiritually. It is a process begun at salvation and ongoing with each and every choice we make to submit ourselves to God. Submission requires humility. Giving way to divine plans and perspective instead of living with our own limited human viewpoint. The blessings and peace that we gain from humbly surrendering and submitting ourselves to him every day are a gift of grace that nothing in this world can compare to. Submission requires humility. Recognizing that he's wiser, bigger, stronger, all-knowing, sees the beginning from the end and everything in between. So we come to him in humility and we say, Father, this burden is too big. I cannot bear it. And we roll it over to him. We hand it over to him and we say, I need your help. Walk with me through this. I will do what you say instead of relying on my own way of handling things, instead of relying on my own limited understanding of the situation so we submit and we rest we obey and we rest we cooperate and we rest rhythms of grace rhythms of grace well what happens when we are walking in that rhythm we've found our stride there's submission there's rest There's life happens. (laughs) And we suddenly feel like that rhythm has been interrupted. Interrupted with sickness, financial hardship, relational strains. When I was in college, we had um, a resident advisor. So he lived on campus and he would watch over the student body who lived. um, I, I never lived in the dorms. Um, when I was in college, I always had an apartment. I was considered an older student because I didn't start college until I was 23. Um, and so most were in their senior year when I was just starting. So I, um, was automatically allowed to live, um, in an apartment. And so we had a resident supervisor, his name was Clint, and he had a little boy. He was a little bit older than two, not, not quite three. Um, but Clint was telling a, us about the process of um, when he and his wife, Vi, uh, decided to take this job at the college and move on to campus. And he said it was such an interesting thing. He said, we started packing our boxes, and our little one, he started noticing, like, something is different. Something's going on. There are boxes and different people coming in and out of the house and measuring things. And he said, you know, there was just a lot going on, everything that's involved in a move. And he said um, his son started asking to watch The Lion King. And um, soon it it got to the point where he was asking to watch it every day. And uh, the more, Clint said, the more that they would pack and the the taller that the uh, boxes got and uh, the more that things came off the wall, he actually started to ask to watch it like several times a day. And Clint said, you know, something occurred to him. He said, this guy, he realized that the things around him were changing And he was desperately trying to cling to something that was the same, something that was predictable, something that he knew. He's like, well, I I know what's going to happen in this movie. I know the characters. I know there's a part in the middle that doesn't go all that great, but it ends well. And so, you know, this little guy, seeing all the change that was going around him and seeing his life interrupted, it made him want to cling to something, to anything that was the same. And that, for him, was that movie. And Clint said... It made me realize that we kind of do the same thing. <laughs> when things around us are unstable, unsteady, when our life gets interrupted and things start to change, we tend to, to start clinging to things that are the same, that are predictable, even if those things aren't necessarily healthy for us. But we, we know them. They're familiar to us. And I, I see that pattern in my life sometimes where I'm clinging to something. And this is the shift that we need to make. We cling to someone. We cling to the one who remains the same. In the middle of change, in the middle of life interrupted, we cling to the one that scripture says is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's unchanging. There's another scripture in the New Testament that says, even when we are unfaithful, he remains faithful. Why? He can't deny himself. He can't be other than who he is. He is faithful. And so we cling to the one who remains the same the one who never changes and so when life takes an unexpected turn that's a great opportunity for us to cling to him to trust in him to walk hand in hand with him through it when the rhythms get interrupted when things change we cling to the one who remains the same why two reasons we're going to talk about we cling to him because he's capable And we cling to him because he cares. Will you turn with me to Mark chapter 5, verses 25 to 29? He's capable. It says, a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him, through the crowd, and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I could just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. And she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Now, if there was ever someone who was carrying a burden, it was this woman. For 12 years, scripture said, she suffered with this ailment. She'd spent all of her money. And not only had she not experienced relief, scripture says it just got worse. I can only imagine the mental toll that it took on this woman. She's sick, no money, no solutions. But then something happened. She saw Jesus, (laughs) saw him through the crowd. What did she do? She went after him. She pressed through the crowd to get to him and she brought that burden right to him and in an instant what doctors could not do for 12 years Jesus did for her in a moment it says she immediately knew she felt it in her body that she had been healed I can only imagine how her life changed after that no more physical pain No more resources poured out for a cure that wasn't coming. No more mental stress from being unclean, as would have been the culture. No more isolation, as would have been the custom. Someone in her condition would have been considered unclean and therefore untouchable. She would have had to isolate herself. Can you imagine living that way for 12 years? I'm coming to understand a little bit the mental toll of isolation, as I'm sure some of you have. I've, I've had to quarantine four times. My children go to public school, and every time they get that little letter home, I open the folder and say, No, not the letter. Quarantine time, four times. The mental toll of isolation. For 12 years, I can only imagine how her life changed in an instant because she brought that burden to Jesus. Our God is able. I've said it before, and I will say it again. Our God is not only willing, he's able. I have a lot of people in my life who are willing to help me. They want to, and sometimes they're just not able. But our God is both willing and he is able. Jeremiah thirty-two twenty-seven says this, I am the Lord, the God of all, the peoples of the world? Is there anything too hard for me? That's a rhetorical question. We know the answer is no. There's nothing too hard for our God. He's capable of taking care of whatever burden it is that we bring to him. It doesn't have to be something that we've suffered with for 12 years, but absolutely, if you have, bring it to your father. Lay it at his feet. It could be something that happened to you on the way to church, whatever that burden is. The invitation is to come to him, to lay it at his feet. Why? Because he's capable of handling it. Amen. So we cling to him when life is interrupted, when that rhythm is interrupted, because he's capable. We also cling to him because he cares. Uh, Pastor Jay um, referenced this this morning as we prayed for Afghanistan and Uh, spoke the name of Jesus over COVID and sickness and hurricane and the floods. And there's just so much upheaval in our world right now. And it would be easier for us to think, does Jesus really care about my little rinky dink stuff in the midst of all of this in the sea of humanity? Do I really actually matter that much? Does he really care if I get that raise at work? If you're a student, does he, does he really care if I pass that test? I mean, I studied, I'll do my best, but I mean, do I pray about that? Does he see me? Does he really care? Is my life significant? Yes, yes, yes. Resounding yes. Our Father loves us deeply. He cares about every aspect of our lives. We mean an awful lot to him. And this is something interesting. I find this is true in my life. I wonder if it's true in yours. I find sometimes that it's easier for me to believe for somebody else than it is to believe for myself. Oh, I'll pray with you all day. I'll intercede for your problem because I know God is going to take care of you. I'll pray for your resources. You lost your job. I'm praying for you, sister. I believe God will provide for you. But then when it happens to me, "Mm, is he really? I mean... is he going to do it? Does he really care that much about me? Yes. Yes, he does. Scripture says, really, apple of his eye, our names are written on the palm of his hand. The Old Testament says, even if your mother, the woman who gave you birth, should forget you, I will not. He cares. Turn with me to uh, Luke chapter 7. 11 through 15. Let's read this story. Luke 7, 11 through 15. It says, soon afterward, so here we have another afterward, and that is uh, talking about Jesus had just healed a man's servant. So soon after that happened, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain, and a large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died was a widow's only son, and a large crowd from the village was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. Listen to this. He says, don't cry. Then he walked over to the coffin and touched it, and the bearer stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you to get up. Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother, why this woman why this son of all of the miracles that Jesus performed why this one doesn't even say whether or not the woman was a follower of Christ or even knew who he was doesn't mention her name or tell whether or not she was of any significance in her community but it does tell us this Jesus saw this woman he saw her. He saw that she was heartbroken. Her life had been turned upside down, interrupted. And, and scripture says he had compassion on her. Listen to what one Bible commentary says about compassion. He says this woman was already a widow. She'd already lost her husband, and now she'd lost her only son, quite possibly her only means. Of support. She was at great social risk and embarrassment. Jesus felt great compassion for her. The word for compassion used here is the same one used in the account of the Good Samaritan. Every time this word is used, the result of the compassion is not just a detached concern or kind words, but always involvement and action. He saw her, And he had compassion on her now when i was studying this um, passage i learned something about funeral processions now here in our culture when um, there's a funeral procession going on if we're not in it we move over we make way we allow the um motorcade to come through and as soon as it's done then we can engage again in traffic and, and go on our way that's that's how our culture does it in this culture Um, if there was a funeral procession going on and it passed you, you actually joined in the procession. You became part of that. And um, you mourned with the person who was mourning. So it wasn't unusual that Jesus joined this funeral procession. It wasn't unusual that he was there mourning with her among the people. But what I love is that Jesus takes it a step further. He doesn't just cry with her. He doesn't just say, oh, I feel so bad. This woman, she's lost her her husband, now her son. But out of his love and compassion for this unnamed woman, and in response to her pain, Jesus did the miraculous on her behalf. He saw her. He sees you. He expressed love and compassion for this woman. And he daily expresses his love and compassion toward each one of us. He cared for her and he cares for us. When our life is interrupted, when the rhythm seems to have come to a screeching halt, the invitation from our savior is to come, come to me, cling to me, lay that burden at my feet. Why? Because I'm capable, of handling the burden and because I care. Let's learn from Jesus this morning. Let's take that clinic that he wants to give us when he says, Learn from me, let me teach you, watch how I do it. Let's let him teach us to walk in that rhythm of grace. Do you remember it? Cooperation, rest, surrender, rest. Obedience, rest, submission to his will, rest, rhythms of grace, rhythms of grace. Lord, teach us to walk that way. When we walk in that rhythm, God allows us to live an unburdened life where we get to cast every care on him because scripture says he cares us he gives us the wisdom and the strength that we need to navigate all of life not just the bad the good all of life he gives us the wisdom and the grace that power that enables us to live life is ours our father loves us deeply there's not one thing that escapes his eye can we trust him with every part of our lives when life deals us a blow can we without hesitation come to him first Instead of trying every other thing and he's our last resort, can we without hesitation come to our Savior? Receive his help. Walk hand in hand with him so that that burden becomes easy and that yoke is light. He is capable and he cares. Listen to the invitation one more time. Come to me. All of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Will you pray with me, please?